0: Business confidence soars, but consumer sentiment heads towards record low levels. Banks become more inventive in the types of home loans they offer, and the ABC gets criticised for an outage to its iView service and for its reporting of the Alice Springs crisis. It's Wednesday, the 15th of February, 2023. Welcome to Fear and Greed, Australia's most popular business podcast. I'm Michael Thompson, and good morning, Sean Aylmer. Good morning, Michael. I'm looking forward to hearing your chat today with John Lang, which comes up after the show, the CEO of Lumify Group.
1: Yeah, look, it's all about the shortage of tech workers and the training that's needed. Obviously, Lumify Group plays in that space. Basically, what needs to be done before it really does become a crisis, this shortage of staff in that tech area. Now, the numbers being banded around by the government are in the tens of thousands in terms of the number of people we need trained in IT-style jobs just to actually fill the required demand at the moment. So we talk to John Lang all about that. It's really interesting chat, particularly just in terms of staff shortages and that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, it's a good one. It's coming up a little bit later on. The main story this morning, though, Sean, business conditions and confidence bounced last month, suggesting a pretty resilient economy.
1: Yes, so this is the positive Side of the story. The National Australia Bank Monthly Business Survey, which market watches like because it shows how the economy is performing right now, says that business conditions returned to a very high level in January following three softer months. Trading conditions, profitability, and employment were all above average. Great. Businesses are really enjoying what they're doing at the moment and things are going well. And confidence rose to above average levels after a couple of months of negative readings. All good on that front. National Australia Bank chief economist said overall, it suggests the economy is resilient to inflation and higher interest rates, Well, it certainly was in January when the year kicked off. But uh, Sean, it seems consumers aren't quite so confident. That's exactly right. This is the other side of the coin. Over Christmas, consumer confidence picked up, but now it has tumbled again back to near historic lows last seen November last year. That's according to the Westpac Melbourne Institute survey. Now, the survey was taken in the past couple of weeks after the interest rate rise from the Reserve Bank. It says that higher rates, and the probability of more rate rises has hit confidence hard with more consumers expecting bigger rate hikes. In fact, about half consumers think rates will rise by another percentage point, another percentage point on your home line. I certainly hope... They're incorrect. The market isn't saying that, but consumers are thinking that. Hence confidence has taken a dive.
0: All right. Sean, I kind of see my role on this podcast as as being to to summarize and simplify. And so I would say that, that we have upbeat businesses, downbeat consumers, and for me at least, a big question mark over interest rates.
1: Oh, and what a good question that is, Michael. Now, consensus seems to be for a couple more rate rises in the next couple of months. So clearly consumers think there are more in the pipeline. Some of the commentary from earnings season suggests spending has slowed this year, even though the business condition survey was pretty upbeat. So we saw that from JB Hi-Fi last week, from Temple and Webster this week. Not, mind you, from uh, Endeavour Group, the pub owner. They seem to be doing pretty well still. Anyway, the Reserve Bank and particularly Governor Philip Lowe are under pressure to make the right call. There's plenty of political pressure, even calls to not allow Lowe another term when his current tenure expires in September. So he must be feeling it. Yesterday, there was a warning from KPMG's chief economist that the average household coming off a fixed rate mortgage this year needs to find an additional $16,500 in mortgage payments. And that is significant. So what's it all mean for interest rates? It's really up to the Reserve Bank still. The smart money, which we shouldn't have smart money in an economy, I suppose, but the smart money is on a couple more interest rate hikes. Michael?
0: Sean, your favourite kind of question, which is yes. one one without notice. On the, the calls for Governor Philip Lowe to perhaps not have his term renewed, do most governors of the Reserve Bank get more
1: than one stint? Yeah, so mostly the last couple have been they get a seven-year stint and Ian McFarlane and Glenn Stevens both actually stayed 10 years, so they got an extra three years. The one mistake Phil Lowe made was last year when he said that interest rates wouldn't rise in all likelihood until 2024, and that's really why he's being harassed and, you know, crucified. In fact, there was a story in the paper yesterday that people, photographers are out the front of his house taking photos of him coming in and out. I don't know whether that's true, but, you know, for your – uh For your urbane central banker that would be very difficult to handle i'd imagine he did make that mistake and i think he's conceded it was a mistake and that's why people want him to not stay on i gotta say philip Lowe is experienced he's extremely smart he has been in the job a long time and i think he would learn from any mistakes he's made so personally i don't think it'd be a bad thing to have him in the job i also don't know who else you'd get the number two there is a woman called michelle bullock she is an obvious candidate. Uh, otherwise you're getting someone from outside the bank. And I'm not sure that there's an obvious person there.
0: Could there be the return of Guy Bell, who left to uh, go to Fortescue Future Industries a little while ago and has finished up there?
1: Yeah, maybe. I mean, I would have thought the Guy was in the running to get the job sort of come September. So I, I think the fact that he left suggests that he doesn't want it. But I mean, look, who knows? Who knows? Who knows?
0: Wow! This um, this this veered off a question without
1: notice into wild
0: speculation, which is yeah. my favorite kind of speculation, exactly. Sean. <laughs> the right. wild one. Yes. All right, yes. now back onto uh, markets. How did local markets respond to all the news yesterday?
1: Well, the S and P ASX 200 finished the day up slightly to seven thousand four hundred and thirty-one points. It's all about earnings, of course. Among the large caps, the banks were mixed yesterday. Woodside fell more than one percent after a pretty decent session on Monday. Uh, Telstra and Aristocrat Leisure they were both up around one percent. South 32, the diversified miner, it was the best of the large caps, up about one point three percent. But really, it was all about corporate news, earnings mostly, but not this first story. So the Star Entertainment. Group's woes continued yesterday. The day after it said revenue may be up to $1.6 billion lower, thanks in part to new pokey laws in New South Wales. Its share price, Michael, fell thirteen and a half percent to a dollar twenty-eight yesterday. That's a record low. It's now around twenty-five percent the level it was at pre-COVID. Wow. Astounding. That's huge. And that's a major company. Anyway, just a few quick results here. Scrap metal recycling company Sims reported a 60% decline in net profit. Uh, its margins were squeezed. Demand weakened on the back of lower steel prices. Obviously, if new steel is cheaper, people don't want scrap metal quite as much. Mind you, the group was quite equivocal about its outlook, but investors like something about what they had to say. Its share price jumped to 7% yesterday, the best of the top 200. Ancel said its healthcare unit had suffered post-COVID, triggering a sharp fall in revenue and profits. Its share price was down 9% yesterday. Seven West Media's result was pretty ordinary. Profit was down about 5%. Its share price fell 4%. Appliance maker Breville said revenue was slightly higher, as was net profit. Supply chain management is better. Mind you, that didn't prevent its share price falling nearly 5%. So much corporate news at the moment, Michael.
0: Yeah, that's and those ones are the ones that always kind of confuse me as a, as a bit of a novice in in some of this space, where you get Breville saying that, that revenue was higher, net profit was higher, supply chain issues are largely being resolved, but the share
1: price goes down 5%. Yeah, so basically, share prices move on outlook statements. And so, while we report the results, investors tend to trade on what they've said. Now, sometimes we know what management have said to analysts, and sometimes we don't know what management has said to analysts. So it's a bit tricky. Also, there's a lot of sort of trading on numbers and takes a day or two for sentiment about what's actually being said by management to sink in sometimes. Mm. And so to actually see the trend, it's worth waiting a couple of days.
0: Yeah. And that's the, the message from the interview the other day with Matthew Kidman from Centennial Asset Management. It's worth going back and having a listen to that one in the context of, of this discussion. International markets, Sean, what's happening?
1: Oil and gold are both up a bit. The Aussie dollar is buying somewhere between 69.5 and 70 US cents. But I just wanted to look at cryptocurrencies this morning. Now, they bounced at the beginning of 2023, but they've really fallen back over the past week or so. Now, Bitcoin's back down to 21,000 US dollars a unit. That's probably been one of the better performers. Ether, Cardano, Binance, some of those guys have really come off a long way. It follows concerns that the US Securities and Exchange Commission is going to crack down on digital units banning what's known as staking. Now, staking is a way of verifying transactions, and it involves using the digital currency as collateral, which regulators don't like. Last week, Kraken, one of the highest profile crypto exchanges, agreed to pay a 30 million US dollar settlement for staking. That has discouraged some investors from getting into some of those cryptos. Hence, the market has dropped a bit.
0: All right. There is plenty happening, Sean, isn't there? We'll be back in a moment with the rest of the day's business news. Sean, profit at Blood Plasma Group, CSL, fell 8% last half because people were giving
1: blood again post-COVID, which really should be good news. Yes, definitely. Particularly when you take blood from people Revenue surged nearly 20%. That is the good news. But compared to a year earlier, which was a COVID-affected result, collection costs were much higher. Also, there were big expenses relating to CSL's $12 billion US dollar purchase of Swiss pharma company Vifa late last year. So, Michael, the bottom line went backwards, but that's expected to be temporary, and CSL share price actually rose more than 1% yesterday to $317.75. Now, that puts it a touch above pre-COVID price. Blood plasma collections were up 36% last half year. So the outgoing CEO, Paul Perot, he of course will be replaced by Chief Operating Officer, Paul McKenzie. Now Perot has run CSL for a decade. And I mean, this is like a gratuitous way to get into the fact that he's actually been one of the best paid CEOs for a decade or so as well. So if you're earning somewhere between 15 and $20 million a year, it must be hard to give up the job. Also, I mean, the company's done incredibly well under him. So, you know, he's sort of kudos to him but he's giving up a big wage. Oh, yeah, certainly is. I'd probably stick around for a few more years, just a little bit of a retirement fund. Yeah, Maybe he's got it when you're making that much every year for 10 years. Probably don't need it.
0: How about that? Just seamlessly straight back into the wild speculation. I love it. Good. Now, Sean, James Hardy had been a powerhouse company really up until the end of about 2021, but it's struggled ever since. And yesterday said that half-year earnings were down
1: 26%. The group, which has businesses in North America and Australasia, yesterday cut its earnings guidance after reporting a fall in sales in what it calls challenging conditions. It's a second downgrade in four months, and it also reflects higher input costs. But the bottom line is the North American new home construction market is slowing really sharply, say so to renovation activity. James Hardley's share price fell 4% yesterday. It's dropped nearly 12% in less than two weeks. Quite a fall.
0: Now, Sean, with interest rates on the rise and 800,000 plus mortgage holders to roll off fixed rate loans over the next couple of years, lenders, it seems, are getting quite creative about what they're offering customers. And really, I wouldn't have thought home loans is an area
1: that allows for much creativity. Oh, Michael, there is so much creativity (laughs) in home loans. Go on, convince me. (laughs) Well, National Australia Bank subsidiary, Ubank last week decided it's going to introduce a 35-year mortgage, according to the financial review. What that means, it reduces monthly payments, so over the life of the loan, the borrower definitely pays more. Now, I haven't seen updated figures, but last time I looked, people on average pay off a house or refinance about every seven years. So that means that I mean, a 35-year loan means you're paying less, but wow. That's a long time to pay off a a home loan. Also, there's discussion that the regulator, the Australian Prudential Regulation Authority, will allow borrowers to get bigger loans by reducing serviceability buffers intended to make sure people have enough money to make repayments. That may sound slightly counterintuitive, but when rates are higher, serviceability buffers just don't need to be as large since rates just won't keep going on forever so at zero percent rates or you know like a two percent standard variable rate you maybe need a three or four percent on top of that for a serviceability buffer but at six or seven percent you don't need that much the bottom line to this really is that apra doesn't want a rule that strangles the housing market if you've got a serviceability ratio that's ten percent people just won't be able to afford a home note No doubt the country's biggest lender, the Commonwealth Bank, will have something to say about it today. It's reporting its half-year results, and what it says about the mortgage market will be very closely listened to.
0: Absolutely. We will stand by for further creativity from Commonwealth Bank. Now, Sean, one company that likes higher interest rates is annuity and fund manager Challenger. It posted a solid profit,
1: sending its share price up 4.4%. Yes, higher interest rates make annuities much, much more attractive to investors, and so financial planners suddenly are recommending them again and that's good news for challenger which is the country's largest annuity provider in fact annuity sales for the last half year jumped 41 percent, which is a record with retail sales leading the way annuity terms go from one year through to lifetime they offer much higher interest rates than term deposits for example and they come with a guarantee so selling annuities is much easier when rates are higher and challenger is benefiting
0: It's a tough market though for COVID, Darling, Temple and Webster, which yesterday said that sales are down this year, sending its share price tumbling 27%. That is a big move.
1: Sure is. The online homewares and furniture retailer's share price is now back to the levels of mid last year, having at one point peak lockdown been worth nearly $15 a share. The online homewares and furniture retail share price is now back to the levels of mid last year. That's about $3.62 was it's closed yesterday, having at one point, peak lockdown, been worth nearly $15 a share. Now, Chief Executive Mark Coulter said the group was reducing its investment in its new home improvement and DIY site that was supposed to take on Bunnings. Well, they haven't quite shelved the plans, but they've slowed those plans. And he also said that the customer base is looking for better value. The website's main buyers are millennials, people between 25 and 39 years of age Michael Thompson. Hmm, Sound familiar? Online shopping millennial. That is me. You guys aren't spending as much as you were before.
0: Well, actually, the question really is about you, Sean, because you probably classed yourself as an honorary millennial. Because I remember when we were doing Fear and Greed during the the lockdowns, you were talking quite regularly about how much you were spending at Temple and Webster and all the deliveries that were coming into your house. So have you stopped spending at Temple and Webster?
1: Well no as it turns out I haven't <laughs> but but I do like the, the association with me being a millennial
0: an honorary millennial I'll take don't, that. Don't, honorary. Don't, don't don't get too attached <laughs> to it Sean <laughs> right it and now finally uh, Sean quite a serious one here the the national broadcaster the abc has been in the spotlight recently and, and
1: yesterday was criticized for its
0: reporting of the Alice Springs crisis.
1: An ABC ombudsman report found the public broadcaster breached impartiality and accuracy standards in a report about a community meeting in Alice Springs for its high-profile AM program. Managing Director David Anderson said the story wasn't up to ABC's standards. Now, the radio report claimed there were elements of white supremacy at an Alice Springs community forum on social unrest in the town. Ombudsman Fiona Cameron identified two breaches of editorial standards, one of impartiality for unduly favoring one perspective over another, and one of accuracy by not making reasonable efforts to ensure that material facts were accurately presented in context. For any media organisation, that is quite a clip across the year.
0: Yeah, that's very serious. On a lighter note, Sean, the ABC said that human error had caused the group's website and streaming platform to crash on Monday night. There I was trying to catch up on Doc Martin and just couldn't open the app. Do you watch Doc Martin? No, and, and the, at, at that exact moment, about eight seconds ago, you relinquished any claim to be a millennial, a millennial? of any sort. Yes, it's kind of, I think it's like the
1: Downton Abbey equivalent of today. I never watched Downton Abbey because I couldn't bring myself to watching it. My, sorry, Mum, but you were such a big fan. I couldn't say spend my Sunday nights watching it. But suddenly, Doc Martin, I'm finding myself watching Doc Martin. I think, well, oh, not much different, really. Oh, you are you
0: are just relaxing into boomer status here, aren't you, Sean?
1: <laughs> you have just destroyed me from millennial to boomer. That's oh. right. That's, a, that's quite a downgrade, isn't it? I'm in between, guys. I'm in between, I promise. Basically, David Anderson, the managing director, said that human error at Amazon's cloud service had crashed the website in ABC's iView for more than an hour on Monday night. I was trying to stream the news on Monday night, the ABC News and couldn't get on. So there you go. That's the reason.
0: Yeah, sure you were. Uh, In international news, Sean, (laughs) a state of emergency has been declared in New Zealand after tropical cyclone Gabrielle caused widespread damage across the north of the country.
1: Yes, Gabrielle has brought heavy rain, flooding and gale force winds across the North Island and forced the evacuation of several beach towns. Authorities last night were struggling to restore communications to their crews in the region and a power grid operator warned that the community should be prepared to go without electricity for days or possibly weeks. There are fears for people in New Zealand's Hawks Bay region where many last night were trapped on their roofs. Communications were down and helicopter rescue efforts were being Thwarted by strong and unrelenting winds.
0: Sean, this is interesting. The UK is moving ahead to regulate buy now, pay later lenders such as Klarna, ClearPay, and PayPal.
1: Yes, these providers will be required to give consumers key information about their loans and issue credit that's affordable, while users will have the right to take complaints to the Financial Ombudsman Service. That's the plan. It's sure to be watched very closely around the world, particularly here in Australia. One of the competitive advantages for buy now, pay later operators is basically the lack of regulation because that's really kept costs down. While the sector boomed during the COVID pandemic, things have become much, much tougher and the share price of companies in the sector have tumbled. Regulation could make some of these companies unviable. Mind you, the other side of the coin is the best operators want Regulation because they think that will get rid of the cowboys in the sector. So, for some of the better operators, it actually may be a benefit.
0: And finally, Sean, a personalized license plate sold for 25 and a half million Hong Kong dollars or four and a half million Aussie at an auction, which is the second highest bid on record for a city where eye catching number plates really are
1: a pretty common sight. Guess what the letter was? It was? A single letter, was it? It was a single letter. So, you've got uh, one in. How, many, <laughs> oh, how many letters in the alphabet? 26? Oh, dear.
0: Oh, this is this is one of those moments and I am very glad we are recording. <laughs> how many letters are in the alphabet? Sean, um, how long were you working at Fairfax for? Oh, I said 26. Well, I've just Googled the 26. I was right. Whew. You shouldn't have had to Google that. I know. <laughs> so I'm going to guess the
1: letter S. Oh, ah, you think so? R. Oh. Hmm. Why? Well, I, someone's name was Richard. I don't know. Elise <laughs> Wadger, Wodowick, something like that. Anyway. <laughs>
0: Finishing with speculation. I love it.
1: <laughs> uh, yes, it was letter R. It sold it at a Lunar New Year auction organized by the Hong Kong Transport Department. It was just actually short of the record bid for a letter back in 2021. Someone paid 26 million Hong Kong dollars as opposed to the 25 and a half million over the weekend on the letter. W, hmm, there you go. Next in line was V, 13 million Hong Kong dollars. That was back in 2017. In fact, there's been more than 160 auctions and over 40,000 plates have been registered since the personalized car plate system was introduced back in 2006. It's bought in about 600 million Hong Kong dollars for the government. And Michael, the most expensive phrase ever sold, so no letter, a phrase, sold in 2006 more than a million dollars. Mm. One, as in I, love you. It's the letter U. Oh,
0: it really does feel like we're finishing on a very positive note. I'm going to take that out of context and say that that was a very affectionate thing for you to say, Sean.
1: Thank you. Well, yeah, but, I mean, it just shows how many odd or overly rich people are in that city. I suppose that's
0: one take-home message. Hmm. Sean, up next is the Fear and Greed Daily Interview. John Lang, CEO
1: of Lumify Group, is your guest. Yes, all about tech workers, the shortage of them and what needs to be done before it becomes a crisis.
0: That's coming up next in the Fear and Greed playlist on your podcast platform or at fearandgreed.com.au. Thank you very much, Sean. Thank you, Michael. It's Wednesday, the 15th of February, 2023. Make sure you're following the podcast. Join us online on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Don't forget there's a new episode of How Do They Afford That out today. Our sister podcast, Making Your Money Work a Little Bit Harder for You Today, is all about rebooting the budget to help deal with interest rate rises. Check it out. I'm Michael Thompson, and that was Fear and Greed. Have a great day.